Well, this morning, if you have a Bible with you, I want you to go ahead and turn to, to uh, turn, turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 20. The Gospel of John, chapter 20. I can't hear anybody uh, rustling those pages, but I'm trusting that you are. John, chapter 20. <laughs> Ushers, handle that person who keeps uh, uh, honking back there. I'm I'm teasing. We're, if, if, you get, if you get excited, just go ahead and honk every now and then. That'll at least reassure me that you can hear me. Um, okay, that's good. Um, so uh, John chapter, you're in John chapter 20. And uh, actually one chapter earlier, it records Jesus' suffering and his death on the cross. That is John chapter 19. A few days ago, perhaps you or your family did what we encourage you to do, and that is to receive communion together as a family or as an individual on Good Friday. Good Friday is the day in which we remember and we celebrate Jesus' death on the cross. It also records it also records there in John chapter 19, it records there the name of Jesus' followers who were present at the cross. There really weren't that many people present at the cross. You would think that with all of the different people that followed Jesus and were ministered to by Jesus during his three years of public ministry, that there would have been more who were present at his death. But the Bible records just a few people. One person who was there was a woman named Mary Magdalene. Now, we know very little about this woman. We know that she was probably from the city of Magdala, which that's where we get the Magdalene part. But there is one significant thing that we know about this woman named Mary Magdalene. And that is, Mark's Gospel says that sometime before this, Jesus had cast seven demons out of Mary. The Bible doesn't tell us how she became demon-possessed, what led up to that, but it says here that Jesus set this woman free. If you think of this, how grateful this woman must have been to, to have been delivered from all of that, and we understand then her devotion to Jesus in the, in the, in the period of time after that. Because anyone who sets you free, anyone who, who breaks that bondage in your life is going to have a very, very special place. So it's really not surprising that Mary Magdalene was one of those there at the cross. But again, because she was there, she saw Jesus die. She saw Jesus breathe his last. She saw him give up his spirit to his father. She saw the Roman soldier thrust a spear into his side just to make sure that he was dead. She saw Jesus' body lowered from the cross and placed in a nearby tomb. Mary, Mary Magdalene had seen so much. Probably there were some things that Mary saw that she wished that she hadn't seen. But then, on the third day following, John chapter 20, verse 1, tells us this. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one that Jesus loved, and said, 
they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Now, now again, remember, Mary knew that Jesus was dead. She had seen him die. But now, now she believed that someone had taken his body, had, had taken it away, and she, she didn't know where. This woman, that the day that she woke up, it was perhaps one of her worst days ever. It was a day in which she, she was heartbroken because her Lord, her master, her teacher, her friend was dead. She made her way to the tomb and finds that the tomb is empty and how, how difficult that must have been for her. Just when it was, you didn't think it could get any worse, it became worse for Mary. Things compounded. And I, I, th I thought of that as I was preparing for this morning, how oftentimes we, we see things happen and we, we wonder why they're happening. Things happen to us uh, in our bodies or, or in our families or in our relationships or in our friendships. Things happen with our jobs. Things happen in our nation. Things happen in our world. And it's not always just sometimes one thing, but often two or three or four things, and they become compounded. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but it's happened to me where a couple of things happen and after a while you just want to kind of hide off into your house and lock the doors. But of course no one wants to do that now because that's what we've been doing for the last couple of weeks. But you know what I mean, we, we get into that place where it's just so heavy and it's so difficult and it's so dark and just when you think it can't get any worse, it gets worse. That's where Mary was. Her friend was dead, but just when she thought it couldn't get any worse, now his body is gone as well. So with a broken heart, it says that Mary ran and told two of Jesus' disciples to tell them about the missing body. And they came, and they too saw the empty tomb. When they left, Mary, who was still weeping, looked again into the tomb, and she saw two angels dressed in white. Now that was, that was different. That was something that she'd never seen before. I put myself in this story and I thought, you know, if I looked into a tomb and I saw two men dressed in white and they're angels, it wouldn't be very long and you would, you'd be finding me in a tomb as well. How terrifying that must have been. How shocking and surprising it must have been to see them there. The angels, the Bible says, the angels asked Mary why she was crying. And in verse 13, she said this, they have taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they have put him. I can tell you this morning that Mary was not thinking about the resurrection that day. She was not thinking about resurrection. That's why we've gathered here today, because we're thinking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. She was not thinking of that that day. Now, she knew that Jesus had raised other people from the dead. She even knew that Jesus, not too long before this, that Jesus had raised someone from the dead who had been dead for four days. She knew that Jesus had power to raise someone from the dead, but who raises, who raises the one who raises others from the dead? Jesus was dead, and his body was gone. But Mary did not know that her worst moment would be so quickly followed by her greatest moment. Let me say that again. Mary did not know that her worst moment 
would be so quickly followed by her greatest moment. I don't know if this has happened to you, but it has to me. I can look back in my life and I can identify some of the worst moments and in almost every case, some of the worst moments imaginable in my life were followed by some tremendous victories. I thank God for that because there are often times when we're facing those challenges and those difficult times, those, those tragic moments where we, where we start to, to question or we, we want to despair. Sometimes people even want to turn their back against God. But I promise you this morning, if you continue to be faithful, some of your worst moments will be followed by some of your greatest moments. Verse 14 records the beginning of her greatest moment. It says, Mary turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. She thought he was the gardener. But then it says, Mary, uh, Jesus called out to her in verse 16, Jesus said, Mary. Jesus said, Mary. And I point that out. And I want you to see that in your Bibles there in verse 16 because it says that Jesus knew her name. He'd been through a great deal. He'd gone through all of that suffering, but he knew her name. He remembered her. He identified her. And I want you to understand, wherever you're listening, if you're watching this or you're listening on that radio, Facebook, wherever, I want you to know this, that Jesus knows your name. He knows who you are. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you're experiencing. He knows the moment that you're in, whether it's one of the best or one of the worst or somewhere in between. Jesus knows your name, and Jesus knows what you're going through. The Bible says that Jesus then told Mary to go and tell the disciples that he was alive. Verse 18 says, Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Now, I totally get that. I understand why she did what she did. Now, she did that as instructed, but when someone has good news, it's even better when you share it with someone else. I'm that way. You're that way. Man, when we get good news, we can't wait to tell someone else. Let me tell you the good thing that happened. And this is where Mary was. Jesus, had, Jesus was alive. She'd seen him. She'd spoken with him. And she couldn't wait to tell other people. The Bible doesn't record much more about Mary Magdalene, but I know this for the rest. I'm confident of this. For the rest of her life, she told people about her greatest moment. She told pe people that Jesus, the, the, the day that she saw Jesus alive. What a distinction. Mary Magdalene holds the unique distinction. All four Gospels record this. Mary holds the unique distinction of being the first person to see the resurrected Christ. Her worst moment was followed by her greatest moment. When Mary saw and believed that Jesus was alive, everything changed. Let me say that again. When Mary saw and believed, when she seen and believing, when she saw and believed that Jesus was alive, everything changed. Her tears were wiped. Yes, glory to God. Her tears were wiped away, her fear vanished, and her hope was restored. Again, her tears were wiped away, her fear vanished, and her hope was restored. 
think my water froze. In recent weeks, in recent weeks, so many people have lived with fear and without hope. There have been people, people that you know, perhaps even people in your own home, who have been living in a great deal of fear and living without hope. In fact, I will go so far as to say this. There is a great pandemic of fear and hopelessness in our world right now. On my way here this morning, I was listening on the radio, and I, and I, and I, I heard it in people's voices. I have seen it in people's faces. There is a pandemic of fear and hopelessness, fear and dread, because there is a new disease out there. I have to tell you that as a pastor, as a follower of Jesus Christ like you, I have seen people in their hopelessness. Even, even just a few days ago, I was speaking with someone at a store, and I saw it on their face, and I shared Jesus with them. And I assured them that there is hope in one person alone, and that is in Jesus Christ, the resurrected Lord. But there's a great deal of fear and dread because of a new disease out there. Just a few months ago, none of us heard about COVID-19. None of us heard about the coronavirus. Yet it's now taken more than 110,000 people worldwide, 21,000 in our nation, and six in our state. This new, this new virus is why you are listening this morning on a blustery Easter morning. This virus is the reason that you are listening on a radio to a message, and I'm up here getting frostbit. That, that's, that's why we're, because of this new virus. But, but hear me on this. Hear me on this. Unless we are living when Jesus Christ returns, every one of us are going to die. Every one of us is going to die of something. Now, I know that's not a new revelation, but I say it as a reminder. Every person here listening to my voice, every person here today will die someday of something if Jesus does not yet first return. Today, the 12th of April, is the 103rd day of this year. It is the 103rd day of this year, and so far, so far in this year, so far worldwide, 275,000 people have died of malaria. 300,000 people just this year have taken their lives. 378,000 people have died in car accidents 700,000 people so far this year have died from alcohol-related illness. And so far this year, nearly 2.5 million people have died from cancer. Now, I give those numbers not to depress you. Please understand that. I, I do not share those numbers to, to, to talk about, to in any way glorify a, a means of death. And neither do I share those numbers to minimize a new disease. But I remind you, I remind every person who is listening that death is common, that bodies break down, 
and that death causes our hearts to break. But because Jesus, who is the perfect and sinless Son of God, because Jesus died on the cross and because he rose from the dead, we can have eternal life in him. And that is why we rejoice today. Glory to God. That's why we gather. That's why we're here. Because Jesus gives us hope and Jesus gives us help and Jesus gives us salvation. And Jesus alone, Jesus alone gives us eternal life. He helps us in this life. He gives peace to us in this life. He gives strength to us in this life. When the discouragement comes, he gives us the strength to go on. When, he, when, when hopelessness reigns around us, we can have hope in this life. But then he gives us something beyond this life. This is why we rejoice. This is why we, we declare this message. This is, why, this is why we do what we do so that people here in this community and people in our region and people around this state and people around our nation and our world so that they know that Jesus is alive. You see, Mary went and told Jesus' followers that Jesus was alive. We are here today, and countless other Christians around the world are meeting together in one way or another to again declare that Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead are not simply two points in history, but they are the turning points in all of history, and I want it to be the turning point in your history. You see, it was many years ago that I gave my life to Jesus Christ. It was many years ago that I understood that I can't fix myself. Man, I couldn't even calm myself. I, I, I couldn't even comfort myself. But I found that Jesus could. And I surrendered my life to him, and so many of you have done the same. But perhaps there are some here listening today who have not surrendered your life to Christ. Oh, you know about Jesus, and you know about the cross, and maybe you have a cross in your home, and, and maybe you've heard about the empty tomb, and you know some songs, and maybe there were some things done as a child, and, 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 and you remember them, and they're, they're nice memories, or maybe not so nice memories, but... But, but I want you to understand that it's, it's not just knowing about Jesus, but that we can know Jesus, that we can have a personal relationship with him. And the way that that is possible is we simply come and we ask him to come into our hearts. Jesus did the work. He was the one who went to the cross. He's the one who rose from the dead so that we can have this relationship with him. And so this morning, if you have not yet experienced that, I want to pray with you. Wherever you are, wherever you're sitting, wherever you're listening to this, I want you to, uh, I want you to, to, to bow your heads with me. And I want you to pray this very simple prayer. It may, it may have been, you may have never prayed a prayer like this, but I, I promise you that if you pray this from your heart, that, that God will answer because, again, Jesus desires this. So bow your head, wherever you are, just bow your heads with me and, 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 and pray this prayer. If you, if you believe this and you want to accept Jesus into your heart, 
then, then pray this prayer with me right now. Lord Jesus, we come before you. I believe that you died on the cross and that you rose from the dead. Go ahead and pray that. I believe that what you did were the turning points in all of history. But I want it to be the turning point in my history. Come into my heart. Forgive my sins. I give my life to you. Help me to walk with you. Help me to become more like you. I'm broken, but you can fix me. Jesus, I need you, and I give myself to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to know that if you prayed that prayer today, that you've begun the greatest journey you'll ever experience. You've begun a journey of following Jesus Christ that will lead from this day all through eternity. I mentioned that this is a brief service and we're going to continue to minister. We want you to join us every Sunday on, uh, on a Facebook broadcast. You can find the directions to that again at our website, afa.church. Um, we want to worship with you. These are, these are challenging times and we're attempting to minister as effectively as we can under the circumstances, but we want to continue to, to worship with you. So join us again next Sunday for that. It'll be a lot warmer for me where I'm preaching then, but I want to thank you for joining us today. In just a moment, I'm going to close in prayer. And uh, we have some directions for you as well. There will be a parking attendants who will assist you out. They're going to be dismissing this front row first. So if the rest of you would hold, we'll work our way towards the back. But uh, if you would just wait and we will be going this way, our attendants will help you. Thank you so much. One more time, would you bow your heads with me? Let's close in prayer. Jesus, I thank you for this memorable time. I thank you for the body of Christ. I thank you for the redeemed Lord. It's not because we're special, but because we've surrendered our lives to you and you've begun to work in us. And so today, Lord, I ask your blessing upon my brothers and sisters. I ask your protection upon them. I pray for your encouragement upon them. I pray, Jesus, that throughout this day we will remember again and again not only your death, but your resurrection. I ask your blessing upon these people now, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Say amen with me. God bless you. Have a blessed Easter.